the Canadian Military History Podcast. Provided by the Royal Regiment of Canada. Welcome back to part two of the episode with Captain Shannon Terrell. Are there any other influences or memorable characters you you want to bring to light? You know what? I you know I think I would be doing a disservice as a leader if I didn't recognize a phenomenal past follower because I I think it's in service to our uh, soldiers that we often learn the most about ourselves and that we build character. So I, I love to tell you about uh, one of my favorite soldiers. Uh, he was Private uh, Billy Louie at the time. He was doing his QL3 med, um, medical assistant course. So his course, uh, first course in the Canadian Forces Health Services. We were in a satellite situation. We were working out of the Missioner Institute because the Canadian Forces Medical Services School in Borden was having capacity issues. And so we were all in Toronto. Uh, living downtown, all me- uh, new medics, new future medics from across the country. I was the course warrant, and uh, along with me was uh, Captain Doug Wild. He was of, um, sorry, he's Captain Doug Wild now, but at the time he was Sergeant Wild and I was Sergeant Terrell. He was our standards officer. And I always remember Private Louie because he was really struggling with the course. Not the knowledge and not the ability to do the job, but English was a second language for him, and he really struggled with the test. And as you know, in the military, there's, there's no two different ways to pass a course, uh, and there's no individuality, and there's no special considerations, and everyone just sort of has to pass the same bar the same way. He was really struggling, and this was a, a real problem for us because of who Private Louie was. He was the consummate team player. He was helping everyone else in every way that he could, at every opportunity that he could. He always had a great attitude. No matter what challenges came his way, he sought out extra help. He worked, he did remedial training every single night. And he he just, he had this great attitude and you just knew, this is who you want on your team. This is who you want as a medic. And plus, he was competent. Like, you could see him practice all in his uh, emergent situations. He knew what he was doing. He just couldn't write these tests. So the then Sergeant Wild and I were uh, talking about this. And Sergeant Wild was the one who, and I, I really respect this choice in him. Uh, it was his idea to have Private Louie do verbal tests and or more hands-on sort of psychomotor skill stations. And should we not develop tests? that would reflect that he could truly do the work. So we did that, and people senior to us, I don't know how much of this they are aware of, but they turned a blind eye to it, probably because it was the right thing to do. And it was just that our evaluation system was failing this private, and we were going to be the ones that would ultimately lose out on a great med A. So we, we went ahead and did this, and he passed, of course, with flying colors, and he was so grateful and so thankful. I've never seen anyone so happy to pass a course and so grateful to their instructors, and just he couldn't say enough about any of us. But besides that, Private Louie went on to be one of the most, and still to this day, the most committed members 
of its now 25 field ambulance in Toronto. Dedicated soldier, all, despite the fact that he owns a company and an international company and he's a very busy businessman, he makes the time to give back to Canada. And a few years ago, he also started a nonprofit organization called Monticle, which is a youth leadership organization. All about, uh, it's all courses and students, international students and Canadian students, I think they're from ages sort of 12 and on, do experiential learning. And you'd have to be blind not to see that a great percentage of what they're teaching in these courses comes straight from the military. He obviously recognizes that you can't put youth into the military for a short period of time. It's not a temporary thing, but that there's great learning to be had in the way that the military trains people and that this is where teamwork is taught. This is where leadership is taught. And this is where you develop your character. And his courses are phenomenal. And the changes you see in the youth is just amazing. These kids, um, youth, go away with experiences and opportunities like you'll get nowhere else in life unless you join the military. At least half of his instructors have military backgrounds or are currently serving. And in fact, a year or two ago, he invited me and I'm now on the board of directors of this company. And it just goes to show that if you invest in the followers and if you see the potential in your followers and you sometimes deviate from the, the path that's there before you, the payback is just immense. And not only does he give back to Canada and does he give back to our unit and the soldiers in the CS, but he, what he's doing in touching these youth, the ripple effect is just, like, we can't even fathom how far this goes and, and what these youth will go on to do and what the choices that they'll make are. What's the name of the company again? It's called Monticle. And if somebody wanted to find more information about Monticle, would they be able to get that on the internet? Absolutely. They have got a website. They've got a Facebook page. You can find multiple videos, all their most recent sort of exercises and missions. They've gone around the world. They've gone on the Bruce Trail across Canada. They've gone to the Arctic. Basically, almost any kind of adventure training that you could imagine the military doing. They, they've done that, and they have this whole sort of background of experiential learning built in, and just amazing, amazing experience for youth. What I'll do, I'll look it up, and I'll add that to the show notes at the end of the show. Thanks so much. I'll let now Corporal Louie <laughs> know he'll be thrilled. Excellent. Just to wrap up the podcast, what was the greatest challenge you had to overcome? You know what? It's, I don't know if I'll be able to do it justice. But I have to say that the, the most challenging thing that I've overcome in the Canadian Forces was a course. It was my combat leaders course, which I guess is a parallel to the ICC or formerly ICC for you guys uh, in the infantry. It might have been because it was the last CLC that they ran before they turned it into, I believe it was... Um, PLQ. Yeah, PLQ. It was ISCC for the infantry, infantry section commander's course, and then yours was the combat leader course, which is where you yes. get CLC from, and now it's PLQ, the primary leadership qualification. Yes, and I remember hearing horror stories about it, but I wanted to be a master corporal, and was running Meaford at the time, and this was, I think this was in 1995 that I did this. It also didn't, it didn't hurt that um, the leaders on my course were from the RCR and the course warrant, it was going to be his last course he ran and before he retired, he told us he was going to make an example out of us and that if we didn't get through it's because we didn't deserve to get through and this, 
he's going to make his mark with us. And so we were suitably frightened of him. It was just the most physically and mentally challenging course of my life. We started off with, I believe, about 40 candidates, and we finished with 14. Wow. For a few women, and a few women uh, got through at the end. There was just so many injuries, so much sleep deprivation that there ended up being sort of mental health issues. So people were returned to units for various physical and or mental issues. But just the, the crazy situations that these instructors put you in to, of course, test you and meet the competencies required. But it was just insane, and it's one of those courses that only military people can kind of understand that you're, you're the, like civilian people say, why did you put up with that? Why would you do that? But when you're there, it's like, no, there's no choice. Like, this is just the way it is, and it's so real. Like, I recall I um, one morning, 4 o'clock in the morning, 5 o'clock in the morning, they took our course out for PT, and they got us to the wash station walls which were forbidden, which is probably why we were up that early in the morning, because the clinic on the base at the time had told the base commander that we shouldn't be using the wash station walls anymore to be climbing over and whatnot during PT because there had been too many injuries. So this is probably why we were up that early in the morning, so that no one would see us. And we had all our kit and our rifles and whatnot, and the course warrant told the course senior, you've got 10 minutes or whatever it was to get your course across all these what are they, eight-foot wash station walls with all their kit. They have to be on the other side by this timing. So everyone goes into, you know, teamwork mode, you know, one guy kneeling down to step on his back, one guy straddling the wall, uh, throwing over kit and helping people over the wall and sort of doing this leapfrog as we got to each wall and uh, somewhat dark. And because a lot of them were bigger guys, I guess when they got to me, uh, the guy straddling the wall, helping us over, just didn't know his own strength. And I got thrown a little further than everybody else over the wall. And I landed half on, half off, uh, just sort of like a four-inch step in the concrete. And I, I felt something kind of crack. But adrenaline was going, and I just, just kept going over the walls. And then after we got over the walls, then it was time everyone get in the push-up position. And I knew something was wrong with my foot or my ankle or something, and um, I couldn't put any weight on it. So I was in the push-up position, but I had one foot sort of hooked behind the other. Uh, and then I got called out on that, why are you only on one foot? Then I got ordered to take off my boot, and they saw my swollen ankle, and it was all bruised, bleeding under the skin. So they sent me to the medics, and luckily I had a medic friend from my unit uh, back there, Corporal Fraser, I still remember you and thank you, who's like, you tell, told me uh, it's likely broken. And I'm like, no, no, it can't be broken. Because at this point, I think we were two weeks into the course. And I was thinking, no matter what, I'm finishing this course, because I'm never repeating these two weeks again. Like, even if it had, if it had been day two, I would have been like, I'm never, ever going to have to repeat those two days again. Because it's so horrible that to have done it for nothing, with nothing under your belt, is like a nauseating, like, thought. So, um, I did the right thing, and I wiggled my foot on the x-ray when they sent me out to the local hospital. I wiggled. They had an old-fashioned x-ray machine. And I uh, just, you know, made sure I did a little movement as she pushed the button, and it came back to the base with a really ugly uh, x-ray for the doctor to look at. I convinced him, you know what, I know it looks bad, but it's still bad at all, and I put on a good show. And so he said I would be okay with uh, an air, like an air splint type deal. He thought it must be a really bad sprain. And my, my corporal friend there, Corporal Fraser, was like shaking his head at me. You know what you did. Like <laughs> that. Um, but I'm like, you don't understand, buddy. 
it's so bad. I got to get through this. So uh, I convinced him, uh, and he did a great job of sort of um, doing a basket weave hockey tape job, sort of like a basket weave thin cast, something I could fit under my boot because there was only so many hours you could miss of the course and you'd be kicked off. So to not have my boot to be in, on crutches or something like that was just not going to be a possibility. And so and, and it would loosen every day that, that uh, cast, that little hockey tape job. And I'd go in at night, uh, late at night, and he would redo it for me every day. Great friend. I was always the last on every run after that. I remember thinking this is also one of these sort of things that sticks with you that uh, I overheard one of the sergeants stick up for me, Sergeant Baker. I remember him, big, big red-headed guy, uh, Reg Force. I overheard him stick up for me to the course warrant. He's like, course warrant was uh, sort of chastising that I was always last. And I heard the, the sergeant say, you know what? I swear I think I can hear, hear her ankle crunching. He, but she never stops. She just keeps going. But she's slow. And I remember thinking, I never thought in these terms back then, but now being a, a leader city side and, and in the military, that there is not just sort of summative evaluations in the military, but there are formative evaluations. Like there's so many places in life where it's just whether or not you pass the test, what mark you get at the end of the day. But the military, there's so much based on merit and on attitude and aptitude and that there's credit for that. So that and I that made me feel that much better because I really was starting to get more demoralized. Like on top of the sleep deprivation and then the mind games they were playing with us. The fact that I was last all the time did make me feel pretty crappy. But that really gave me a boost. You know what? He, this this sergeant who I really respect sees this in me. So I'm just going to keep on trying. Just the things that happened on that course and uh, they just nearly killed us. And <laughs> And it's, it sounds so crazy. It's like, you could erect your foot. I do. I have pain in that, I have pain in that foot any time it gets, you know, humid or, or rainy out or whatever. And it's, you know, wrecked a bit, I'm sure, for the rest of my life. But it's just one of those things, well worth it. And it's also one of those courses that when it's all said and done and you think of all the things that you went through, all the sleep deprivation and then stealing half your people and they, they kidnapped half my section when I was the core senior out of our bid site and they yeah they captured them and they had bags over their heads and were tempting them with pizza in the DS tent and I had to form a uh, like a like I don't know we had to go and rescue them and it was like just the things she had to do it sounds like it was all fun and games but we were seriously near tears, there were grown men crying, there was a 40-year-old corporal who went psychotic from sleep deprivation, couldn't tell you his name or tie his boot lace, so I had to escort to the top base, they had to send him in for like a neuro assessment and then send him home, but there was crazy things, but at the end of that, you were like walking on the clouds, and I remember thinking, I'm an effing goddess. <laughs> passing this course. There's, there's probably nothing you couldn't have put in front of me back then that I would have thought, oh, I can't do that. I just thought, you know, if I can do this, I can do just about anything in life. And, and that's what it makes you feel. So despite how much they torture you, you have to thank your leaders at the end of the day that they put you in those opportunities, uh, gave you those opportunities and put you in those situations where it really did test your character and show you what you were made of. So I have to say, I'll always think back as that as being the most difficult thing, other than, you know, you know, there's always family stuff and people get ill and relationship issues in life, but 
as a character building and um, really challenging thing in the, in the military, that would have to be it. Amazing. Well, you've, you've really taken these, uh, these four questions out to new territory. That's great. Is there anything else you'd like to say? No, just thank you so much for doing this podcast. I know just personally, I wish I had something of what my family, my family members who'd served, they're all dead now, and everyone who sort of knew them personally. I, I wish I could have known what their experiences were like and, and how things shaped them and even what they did in World War II. I don't even know what their experiences were and, and that's um, that's something that, that bothers me. But I think it's so important to record this and there's just all these little nuanced things and I think that's why I wanted to make my answers sort of more personal than about missions I've been on to like, well I haven't been on missions but humanitarian missions to Guatemala or, or training things and courses because there's just all these little nuanced but so important things that the military uh, gives and that the CF gives back to its members that forms who we are in society that I think it's really important to log these. They're just invaluable. Well, I'm very glad to have your story recorded, and I know there are a couple of dangerous areas you could have gone personally for me, but I appreciate the direction you chose to go. I really enjoyed recording this podcast. Thanks for coming to the podcast. Thanks for having me again, Mike. Thank you for listening to the Canadian Military History Podcast. I hope that you've enjoyed this episode. If you did enjoy the podcast, please leave some feedback on iTunes. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, please send me an email at mikelacroixcmhp at gmail.com. Please let me know if you'd like me to read your comments on the air. While you're waiting for our next episode, please visit the website at www.canadianmilitaryhistorypodcast.ca or the CMHP Facebook page. If you'd like to support the podcast by making a donation, please click the PayPal link on the webpage. The next time you're considering buying something from Amazon.ca, please visit the Canadian Military History Podcast website and click on my Amazon link. A small portion of your purchase goes directly towards the support and maintenance of the podcast. However, your great price from Amazon doesn't change. All donations will go directly into the production of the podcast. All music is used with the express permission of the commanding officer. End tag music is provided by the Princess Patricia's Canadian Light Infantry. Views and opinions are those of the guests of the Canadian Military History Podcast and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Mike Lacroix Productions, the Government of Canada, or the Department of National Defence. This is a Mike Lacroix Production.